you're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 69. I get it, 69. Hilarious. We're in seventh grade. Uh, actually, most of the time, we do act like we're in seventh grade in the show, so I don't know why I'm pretending like I'm above that joke. Uh, anyway, we are at South by Southwest in Austin. Um, this is a super fun special show that uh, I, we're going to put up tonight. Uh, just a few things I want to get out of the way first. Uh, <laughs> there's a dude who brought a giant Nerdist cake, a gorgeous cake that was yellow with our podcast logo and a little uh, outline of the state of Texas on it. Uh, his name was Wayne. He said his girlfriend, I believe it was Kelly, I hope her name was Kelly, uh, but if not Wayne, please email me and let me know so I can link to you guys. Because he brought this cake, which I had some of, the other comics had some of, uh, and then I took out uh, afterwards before uh, the next comedy show and served to everyone. So A, I hope you didn't fill it with drugs, and B, uh, thank you so much. The cake was delicious. So awesome, awesome, awesome Nerdist fans. Uh, we'll post pictures of the cake as well. Uh, just a couple quick things. Uh, I will be at Zany's this week in Chicago, the March 16th through 19th uh, one show Wednesday one show Thursday two shows Friday and Saturday also I'll be doing a signing at C2E2 Friday afternoon and uh, a panel with Eliza Dushku on Saturday uh, and don't forget about the Wilbur show April 9th and of course all the stuff going on at Nerdist at Meltdown and I am super excited to announce sponsoring Nerdist Industries in one fell swoop the podcast and the blog all this week is threadless.com now uh I typically only pick sponsors that I would actually use, and Threadless is one of those. In fact, I actually sought them out and asked them if they would sponsor the podcast, because I was buying so many of their shirts. I was like, hey, why don't you sponsor my podcast? Uh, I wore their House Brawl shirt, which is all four ho- houses of Hogwarts uh, on the Craig Ferguson show. Uh, all American Squirrel is another one that I loved, a little squirrel with, a, with an acorn, like in the Heisman position. And uh, these guys have been around for 11 years. Uh, they have over a million members who cast votes and help us decide which uh, of the most awesome nerd shirts should be out there in the world. They've paid artists over $1.1 million just last year alone. Uh, and their total votes as of March 2nd for all their shirts are almost 150 million votes. So these are good dudes. I know them. They are based in Chicago. I'm going to tour their facility when I go there to perform this week. Uh, and I am so thankful that they are sponsoring not only podcasts, but also the blog. Uh, because I genuinely uh, adore their products. So uh, Threadless.com. If you haven't been there, which I'd be surprised if you hadn't. Uh, go check it out. Get nerd gear. Interact with other nerds. Submit and score designs at Threadless. Thanks, guys. This show that I'm about to play for you was beyond awesome. 
We did a live podcast here at South by Southwest, uh, a packed house at Esther Spalli's, which was very nice because they didn't know who the guest was going to be. Uh, and I usually feel like the guest has the drawing power, but they were pleasantly surprised when they found out that it was, in fact, Mr. John Oliver, uh, a guy that I love. Uh, I did his New York stand-up special show last year. Uh, he's incredibly funny. Uh, John, I'm sure you know from The Daily Show, uh, he is British and uh, hilarious. So I was so happy to be able to uh, surprise South by Southwest with John Oliver, and we had a blast, took audience questions and everything. So I'm going to shut up now so you can listen to that show. Uh, thanks for tuning in, the Nerdist Podcast, episode number 69, with John Oliver. Now entering Nerdist.com. This podcast yeah. was shopped. Uh, <laughs> that was not our traditional uh, walk-on theme. Nope. But it will be for now on. New I tradition. I like that. I that's, like that vibe. That's the way you roll it. Esther's Follies uh, <laughs> at South by South. S S X S W Tiny I for South by Southwest Interactive. Uh, how are you guys doing? Everyone have a nice time at Nerd Camp. Good. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I, I almost thought Matthew Myra was not going to be able to be here because he's horribly... First of all, Matt Myra, how much how much uh, poundage have you shed in the past month? Like 35 pounds. 35 pounds! Uh, it's all going back on with barbecue. <laughs> yeah. that's, how, that's how they get you. Uh, and so Matt has had a horrible uh, back problem because we complain about our ailments yeah. on the podcast. Bulging disc. That's what we Bulging do. Bulging disc and uh, L five. Let, oh, it's right off the fifth lumbar. Oh, so yeah. yeah, the L5. Yeah. 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 That is, that got a little, ooh, the That's L5. the toughest one, guys. It is, it is. L5. That's the base. That's the fifth lumbar. Yeah. I fractured a transverse process off my fifth lumbar. When Don't I was know a most of those words. Well, <laughs> the point of the matter is that it is one of the worst pains you can endure yeah. because it, it holds your entire body. Well, and what it does, apparently, the one that I, it's like on the nerve that affects my left leg. And uh, so it's just sharp, horrible pains when I sit. <laughs> That's great, Matt. That's great. So, so anyway, I got here. Yeah, so Matt, Matt, last week Matt was like, I don't think I can actually sit on the plane to come down. No. And then I checked in with a couple of days ago and he was like, three Vicodin, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Three Vicodin. I did it. I slept the whole way. That's what happens when you take more than the recommended dosage. On a Southwest flight, if like there's one open seat, it's gonna be next to the fat guy. You sat next to a fat guy? No, no, I was. I was him. What a horrible! I was him. So it was like luxury. You walk onto the plane. You sit down. He walks on. You have a knowing stare. So (laughs) listen, if you're kind of overweight, sit towards the front. They'll always walk past you, thinking there's a better seat in the back. That's a good point. That's good. So you seat jacked, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Southwest is designed to humiliate anyone. <laughs> I a got fucking... a tweet from some guys like, be careful, man. That's that one Kevin Smith got kicked off. 
<laughs> like a heads up for you, yeah, just yeah. in case. Thanks. And what did you think that warning was going to do? Make me buy another seat? As they were leading you <laughs> off. Oh, that stranger warned me this would happen. Yeah. Here I go. We actually would have gotten this great press for the podcast. If you can get kicked off on the way home, I would really appreciate it. We don't have a marketing I'll budget. I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy Austin. I've almost been gouged in the eye by more ironic mustaches than anywhere else. <laughs> Austin right now is fascinated with the curly Q mustache. Is it ironic though? Because isn't that mustache kind of from the South? Isn't it from Texas? Isn't that a sincere stash? It's never sincere. It's not. Well, it's not. Unless you're tying someone to train tracks, it's never sincere. It is not. Yeah. Unless you have the oil can hat and you hear the then you know if you're if you're plotting a young damsel's demise. Yeah. I never understood the point of that. So why why did the evil guy with the hat? Why was he trying to cut the woman in half with a train? Because it's awesome. Well, I don't know. <laughs> it's it a builds, guy that just like, I wonder what would happen if, and there's no real way of knowing back then, no internet in the Old West, and you want to know what it's going to look like, you fucking have to do it. <laughs> so. so you're saying that hasn't happened because people can Google it. Yeah, now you can just Google what it looks like for someone to get hit by a train. It's true, you can, and I have, and it's great. <laughs> And also, because uh, I'm from the South, and I always forget the terminology. I slip back into y'all when I come back to the South, and I forget the terminology. And something happened at a restaurant last night, and I wanted to make a bit out of it, and I realized the only way I could make it work would sound too much like Brian Regan. Because this woman, this woman, uh, the, 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 this woman, a weight person, uh, said, oh, we yeah, ordered. A woman. She, a woman, a lady. Uh, she, we ordered, and she was like, all right, y'all holler if you need anything else. And so 10 minutes later, I really wanted to go, I would like something else now, as per our agreement from earlier. <laughs> like, that's too much, that's Brian Regan's voice. I can't, I can't do that. YouTube. <laughs> and that's the only way it works, is if you do the, as per our agreement from earlier. It doesn't work if I just do it as Chris Hardwick. Uh, are you guys having fun down here? Yes, it's great. I've been drinking so much. Yeah. So much. That's all I do every time I'm in the, Austin. You uh, got the two X's down there? The two X's? I got, yeah, the Dos Equis. Um, it's, it's, uh, drinking so much this weekend. <laughs> Me and my girlfriend are just like, uh, how early can we, is it 11 a.m. too early to start? We just, that's all I do when I'm here is I just drink and look for free pants. That's all I do. Where do you find free pants? You got all these fucking assholes giving away shit for free. I was at a show last night. Some guy throws out a fucking piece of paper, and he's like, who got it? Some guy's like, I got it. He's all, you get a free MacBook Air. What? what? The fuck, yeah. That's what happens out here, Chris. Well, you get free shit for being dumbasses. P.S., Jonah. I don't know if it's just the booze talking or not, but I think maybe you should aim higher than pants. Well, yeah, but fucking, it's hard for me to find a good pair of pants. And when they're free, oh, Chris. <laughs> That's the best kind. Oh, so nice. Oh, when they're just tugging yeah. on your balls, you're like, oh, I didn't pay for you. I get this for free. This is great. I love the temporary Apple store that they threw up That's that looks like a thing. permanent Apple store. Yeah, I walked by it. had no idea it was temporary. Yeah, they're just selling iPad 2s. Uh, there's a line out front. Apparently, they're out. So I don't know why just, there's a line out front. It's just yeah. temporary sadness, not yeah. permanent. Just so people can go in and look at the iPad 2s that are in there and be like, well, I can't buy this. I'm glad I waited in line all day for nothing. One day. One day. But if you need a USB keyboard or something, that's in there too. Yep. Yep. Or a magnetic case that may the or may case not. turns your iPod on. What? See, I'm doing I, Regan I again. Bet. God damn it. I can't help it. What else can you get in there, guys? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, Matt, have you seen anything in the last couple of days that you're excited about? You just got I saw night. a giant 
uh, inflatable astronaut um, on the floor, and that was really exciting. Really? Yeah, someone's excited. Well, they might be a, they might be an inflatable enthusiast. enthusiast. Right. It might not be that they enjoy the. the but there, the there was Space Camp had a booth. Oh, they the, did. Uh, yeah, and was, was Leah Thompson there? That's pretty stoked. No, unfortunately. Uh, well, I'm not interested then. <laughs> unfortunately, um, see their kids, and they actually get sent into space. <laughs> Uh, Who else are we going to send? There's no real security down there at Cape yeah, Canaveral. Any kids can hop into the shuttle and get blasted up. I haven't seen it in up. so long. They just accidentally go into space. I said lunch, not launch. No. And then they, uh, <laughs> then they go into space. <laughs> and then the space camp kids happen. Uh, astronauts. Kids astronauts. Yeah. But Matt, last night, uh, so the, the, this diet that Matt's on is, uh, he's yes. a strict diet for six days a week. One day a week, he gets a cheat day, yeah. which he clings to like a fucking koala on a eucalyptus. Every Sunday, it. it's fucking Christmas morning. It is. Yeah. So you, you were saying yet last night, like you, st- you start the day and you're just like taking bites of things and throwing them away. Yeah, I, live, just... I live like a super rich guy on Sundays where I'm like, oh, that was enough. Throw out the rest. Yeah. I don't need that. So I'll have a pie. Last, I don't eat last night at 1.30 in the morning when I was going back to the hotel, you were like, street tacos! <laughs> Did you find the street tacos? Found the street tacos. Very bland. Not good? Oh, no, it's bueno. Shit. I am sad for you, Austin. But my friend, this is Austin. I'm De- sorry. Dejas. <laughs> I had to put, like, hot sauce on it and salt, and I... It was... oh, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to anyone. Ever. <laughs> ever. Including this week internationally. Whoa. Yeah, this is the worst. I'm serious. Yep, oh, they just turned on you. You better pop some Vicodin, because this guy just turned into a yeah. bumpy flight, my friend. Guys, this is the drugs talking. I don't mean that. The, your back problem is the worst. Yeah. It is the least of your problems right yeah. now. Way to get everyone on your side, asshole. Right? Right? <laughs> First you shit on their food, and then you... No. You know, they were all on your side, because you're, like, you're, you're losing weight and you're living right, but then you took advantage of their kindness I'm by sorry. shitting on the less sorry. fortunate. Yeah. The tacos uh, weren't great. So... <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're mad at, right? <laughs> All right, listen, we, we've blabbed enough. We have a very special guest. We were not able to announce this guest uh, because he's doing his own show here, and it just it, it was also nice to, to have it be a surprise. And I'm thrilled uh, because I've been wanting to get him on forever, so I am very pleased to introduce, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. John Oliver! Mr. Oliver. Good evening, Austin. <laughs> Afternoon. It's Six o'clock, it's a grey area, isn't I it? I know. You know, that's the problem. We just switched the clocks. Otherwise, this would have been at right. night and felt like a, a show. I stand by my evening. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be fooled by the pinhole uh, light dubatine uh, yeah. behind that's us. That's not the sky, Chris? No, nope, that's not... No, nope. wow. lots of people holding their phones up as cameras now. <laughs> well, it was just, it's all mechanical. That's all I could see is people saying, well, I want to enjoy this, but now is not good for me. No, 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 no. John, I'm sorry. You, you probably didn't see this. Uh, we're performing for uh, Terminators. Oh, I do. Yeah. No offense. No yeah, offense. so in the back, it's... Uh, yeah. Right now, they're assessing your weaknesses. Okay. <laughs> well, you're going to be going for a long list. I'd love to see through your mechanical eyes right now. Insecure. Well, wasn't hugged too much as a child. The standard British English comedian flashing up down the side. Don't R. That's just patronise. It was just one guy. It was just, it was just one guy over here. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks for the gesture. Uh, you you showed me a phenomenal picture uh, before we came out here of something wonderful that happened. So yeah, my fiance and I were about to uh, fly here, and we. We were in the airport in Dallas, and uh, she went to the bathroom. This is going to seem very specific, superfluous information. A 
promise it's worth staying with the narrative. <laughs> she went to the bathroom beforehand. She'd been gone two minutes, and then a text emerged on my phone of her standing next to Mike Tyson and smiling. <laughs> you know, wow, what 120 seconds you've had. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> Let's hope this is a fun anecdote and not a sad one down the line. What did you do with your 120 yeah, seconds? Yeah, it was amazing. She said he was lovely. She talked to him about pigeons. <laughs> pigeons? It's a good time in his life to meet him. I, yeah, I like pigeons. <laughs> As opposed to that other time. That's right. That he yeah. went to jail for. But she said, she said, she said I saw you on Ellen, and I, 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 she showed me, and he was very, very nice. And said some very interesting things about people who may seem great and not necessarily great as people, which he both argues and embodies. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, uh, and, and then, uh, and then she, said, she, said, what, she said to him, I, it's good to see that you're doing so well with your life now, which I think is a good example of talking faster than you're thinking. <laughs> Am I patronising Mike Tyson? I think I might get 80s Mike to reappear here. <laughs> What were they talking about pigeons? Was he like, I like to eat pigeons. And then she's no, like, I said, just said hello. Well, he, no, because he does. He loves pigeons. He yep. loves them. He has a show at the moment about pigeons and his relationship with them. Uh, and that's not as weird as it sounds. If, we did, a, if we did a show on Animal Planet, would it yeah. be about the pigeons or would it be about Mike? I mean, no, she said, she said uh, oh, so I, you, I see that you really like pigeons now. And he put his hand on his heart and said, they're my life now. <laughs> Oh. That is objectively nice. Whatever you know about his past, that is a charming moment in an in, in, in individual's flawed past. <laughs> They've embraced some. Some people embrace religion. Yeah. Other people embrace uh, philosophy. He yeah. embraced the pigeon. A, yeah, he, uh, he's fully embraced the, it's pigeon. the flying rat. You know. <laughs> Don't you fucking say that around Don't Tyson. Don't fucking say that. Fucking rat. They're filthy animals. You see, it would have been a very different encounter that you'd have had with Mike Tyson. <laughs> I know I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to confront him about yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. Flying rat, Mike. I don't care if I'm going to miss this flight now. <laughs> no, no, no. Here's why you're wrong, asshole. It, that's how Mike Tyson fits you into the overhead compartment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guess what? Free flight. Yeah. Boom. Oh, shit. Boom. That's how I figure it yeah, out. Yeah, that's thinking. I think you mistakenly thought you won the exchange with Mike. There. <laughs> you still lost. Sure did. Yeah. Sure did. Comfy, a little cozy, a little all by myself. Yeah, when your coccyx is folded up into your nose, you're like, eh, it, yep, I yep. emerged victorious. <laughs> uh, so what are you doing down here at South by? Southwest. I yes. am doing. <laughs> trying to. I did the same thing. I, I'm doing. <laughs> that's how locals say. Okay. I'm trying to ingrate. Yep. That's how you infiltrate. Uh, well, the locals are wrong to do that. Okay. It takes fifty uh, percent more time to complete the festival that you have. So uh, I think the locals call it that shitty thing that makes all the traffic. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. that's what it is. Right. You can't really appreciate that quite as well. I don't know if you like can clap to... and be here at the same time. <laughs> That's I just like to shorten 25% of things. So, John Hall, uh, yeah. uh, you are yeah. down here for a while. Yeah, I'm doing two gigs down here tonight. Literally here. Oh, in the, this in room. The on this stage. Later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 8 o'clock. Yeah. And 10... That's right. There's a, a big fan of the time. 8 o'clock. Yeah. 8 o'clock is the magic yes. hour! Not too, early, not too late. Not too early, not too late. I've got work out of my system. I'm not tired yet. 8 is the sweet spot for me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, 8 and 10.30, ooh, it's a push, isn't it? It's a push, even during festival time. Yeah, 8 and 10.30, I'm doing two shows here to uh, uh, kind of promote 
the next series of the stand-up show, which you did. Which I did in the first season. That's right. And I was talking to uh, Kumail Nanjani about it, and, and he said uh, that it was the most fun set he's ever had was doing your show. Oh, I hope so. It was, he was fantastic. And it's a very warm, you know, it's a quite a strangely warm, friendly crowd. Not that you're not, it's just not as much. Right. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, so, but it does foster people really being able to enjoy themselves. Maria Bamford, who is always excellent, was just astonishing. Really Her is. set on this uh, season is just incredible. So I, I, really, I really heartily recommend it. Even if you don't watch the rest of it, you watch the episode that she's on. Now, this is the perfect time for me to tell you which episode that is. I don't have that information. <laughs> it's um, better that you don't, because now they'll watch every episode right. looking for Bamford. And it's worth it. it. She really is amazing. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really fun gig to do. It's a nice room, that. I had a blast. It, it was shot at the Skirball Center, yep. in, uh, right near NYU. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was, I don't know, I don't know how you guys managed to pull in, it must have been like, what, six, seven hundred people there in yeah, the Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, it's super nice. Yeah, they're, they're incredibly nice. I guess they're comedy fans, and that is always pleasant to perform to comedy fans rather than comedy endurers. <laughs> <laughs> can happen. So you, uh, you do sets at the beginning of every show, yeah. and that is, I marvel at that because it's basically new material you have to write for every show. I guess so. Yeah, I can, but you know, it kind of accumulates over the years, so you break it down six, ten minutes, it's not that bad. Yeah, but, do you, but, but you're still doing, like, you know, an hour, hour and a half, right? That's true. You add it all together. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You're going to freak him out. He's not going to do it next year. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> what oh, you're doing is like... not humanly possible, <laughs> John. 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 Um, uh, oh, no, it's, it, yeah, it's a lot of fun. We just do it over a weekend. Just go and get, accumulate the material and then do it, and then it's done, and then you go and write some more. I mean, it's exciting because, you know, for stand-ups, there are not really a lot of outlets to do stand-up on television. Yeah. So to have one that's good... Yeah, it's a show that I would watch. Like, the comedians on it I love, and it's a show that I would watch were it not for the fact that I'm in it, so I won't. And it's also called John Oliver's New York Comedy Special. Yeah, and so it's a show that contractually I have to be in. <laughs> yeah. Where do you find time to work out jokes? I just like doing it. I find it relaxing. And that is not a healthy state of affairs to do stand-up to relax. Right. But I do. Like, the Daily Show is a, a particularly... Uh, rigorous and like, intensive writing process, so it's nice to go and do something else that doesn't, uh, you know, it's hugely collaborative, The Daily Show, from all, across all the departments, uh, and it's nice to just go out and talk, and then live with the consequences of those words. <laughs> <laughs> well, with Daily Show, it's, it's always, what always seems scary to me is that uh, you don't, it's not like you can really workshop those bits. No. So you're just doing them, and it is an incredibly high-pressure situation because right. of the level that people expect from the Daily Show. Right, we do rehearse. Uh, we rehearse at 4.15, but it's not like SNL where they have an audience in there. We just re rehearse to say the words out loud. And yeah. then sometimes in the process of saying them out loud, they sound a lot less funny than they do when they're written on a page. Right. Think, mm, that didn't feel good coming out of my mouth. Uh, let's, let's change those. Uh, so, yeah, then there's a very quick intensive rewrite between uh, rehearsal and the show. But the, the first time we've ever done it in front of an audience is the show you see. So what, was there an audition process or did they find you? Uh, did Daily Show find you? Uh, it was weird. I'd never been to America before and so I, I got offered the job and I've not really been home. All my stuff's still in storage. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I haven't really been back. And they were looking for, they're always looking for people and uh, I think Ricky Gervais, who I didn't know at the time, uh, John had asked him whether he knew of someone, and he knew of the things I was writing in England, so he recommended me, so I owe him. Oh, wow. I owe him big. 
one day I will kill a man for him. <laughs> I don't know what that day is or who the man will be, but... You might have to, you might have to take a bullet for him if he keeps mixing it up at the Golden Globes the way yeah. he has. God, yeah, I didn't, think, I didn't think that that might be the other way he chooses to spend that favour. <laughs> I just assumed I would be the person doing the killing, not saying, well, that man looks angry, step in front of me. Yeah, that, I guess that works too. You should take the bullet, shouldn't you? Uh, yeah. I'm more rich than you, aren't I? Oh, don't do that. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. You're not pleased. You did it well, but don't do it. You're that. not pleased at all with any of the any of my trying to infiltrate cultures. You didn't appreciate South by. Maybe you shouldn't do maybe Chris Hardwick don't do a British accent to a professional oh. British person. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I am I am professionally British. You're professionally when British. Born, when I was born, I instantly demanded money to speak. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise I might go a different way. Yeah. <laughs> Professionally British. Yep, you absolutely yeah. are. Yeah. Uh, so I, I know that you uh, you did the Edinburgh Festival. I mean, I, I know I know about your history, and I know uh, like I do. I yeah. I've studied up on you, John Oliver. So uh, Edinburgh, I love. Have you, you you did it as well. I've never done. I've been. Uh, I happen to be passing through Edinburgh, and and I, and I just caught some of the, on the shows. way to where the North Sea. No. Well, <laughs> yeah, there's not much. Yeah. <laughs> Were you rigging? Were you offshore rigging? I was, I was, I was following Alpha Waves to find the Fortress of Solitude. Okay. Uh, and I stopped up in Edinburgh sense. with my friends Lex and Otis. Uh, and so uh, I went and saw some of the shows, and it was mind-blowing. I, I love it. I miss it so much. I, I went over there. Uh, I did Edinburgh every year, and it's the, uh, every August I feel angsty. And Dimitri Martin, another comedian you all know, we always miss it horribly every August because it's the whole whole of August, and it is as, about as much fun as you can possibly have as a comedian because all your friends are there. You never usually get to be in the same place as comedians, and everyone's there, and everyone's doing our shows and trying really hard, and it's it's a really inspiring, wonderful place. The festival. You should, definitely should. I, you know, I, I think about it a lot, but then I think, you know, no one knows who I am in Scotland, so it would be me just running around flyering the streets of Edinburgh for yeah. 30 days straight. It's, it's not without its bleakness, I will give you that. <laughs> but it's also kind of, it's, it's, it's a real baptism of fire. You do 27 straight hour gigs, and some of them can be brutal, uh, but you learn so much about about what you want to do as a stand-up. You kind of increase your learning curve, and it's just, I can't recommend it enough. I love it. Do you, have, do you have to get invited, Edinburgh, though? Can you, or no, can you just, you no, can just put the, up a show? Yes. Oh, shit. Yes. That's, that, and that is why it is so strange. And I think especially somewhere like Austin, I think, would appreciate Edinburgh in August because you don't need to be selective. There is no qualify, qualifying control going on. It is just if you think you want to do something, whether that's stand-up or King Lear on roller skates, <laughs> and you are willing to get August free, you can do it. So you can see some weird stuff up there that is both good and bad. Yeah. I remember seeing a bunch of insane street performance. Yep. Uh, and then, like, you know, I, I saw a show in a huge theater where I, it was a Scottish comic and I could not understand a fucking word yep. that came out of his mouth. And what did it sound like, Chris? I'd, <laughs> I'd be intrigued to hear that too. It wasn't just... It was, Don't describe it. Embody it. <laughs> Did you just say salty goats? What, is, what did I miss? Better than I thought. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
You know, I bought because we it was it was in the '90s, and uh, my uh, I was my girlfriend at the time loved to just go places and rent a car and just drive. That sounds exhausting. It was. <laughs> that sounds like an exhausting relationship. Guys, well, it's not happening anymore. Uh, guys, and let me tell you, this was before there was uh, everyone had cell phones and GPS. And uh, we just had to use our fingers in the wind. Like, that's how we navigated. And we went through, through Edinburgh. And so it was, uh, it was just, an, it was absolutely insane. So we bought these, the truck stops in Scotland, ha- rather than having like Larry the Cable Guy tapes, have like Dudley Moore and Peter Cook tape, the clean tapes, and uh, Billy Connolly. Love Billy Connolly, so I bought the tape. And again, it was like, I couldn't understand a yeah, word of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I once saw her in a truck stop in uh, Scotland, there was the, not just uh, Peter Cook and Dudley Moore, but it was the Derek and Clive album. And you think, someone is getting a different journey than they think they're getting with it. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Derek and Clive were these two unbelievably obscene characters that uh, Peter Cook and Dudley Moore did. I'm now realising where I am. Uh, <laughs> that would seem a much more, it, I didn't, yeah, it's, it's very good, but to, for it to make sense, you'll need to first go through all the work of Peter Cook and Dudley Moore <laughs> to see the turn that they made in their career into these two very obscene albums. Okay, we'll but, wait. Go. Yeah. <laughs> go to Scotland. It's very, it's very good, yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's an odd place, Scotland. It's worth your time, and August is a good time. It is, and it's, it really is gorgeous. Yeah, it is. Except if you're driving through Scotland, uh, and you've been driving for a while... And you see a car, a big truck coming at you in the right lane, and you forget that you're on the opposite side of the car in the opposite lane. You have this a lot when you're drifting up. Jesus Christ! Like, you forget that, that they're actually on the correct side, because you drift. So uh, just be careful if you're driving through Scotland. That's a good tip. That's a good yeah. travel tip. As an American. How not to die around the world with Chris Harder. I will watch that. <laughs> How Not to Die would be a fucking great show. It would be good, because, you know, it's what everyone wants from a vacation. <laughs> to return. Uh, yeah, the best part about going down to South America was not dying. Not it dying. was awesome. Yeah. It was great. We just didn't die, and it was, we got back safely. It was awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Yeah, no, you're welcome. Listen, there was some moderate raping and a little robbery, but other than that, we, at least we came well, back Brazil, alive. you know? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry, did you say moderate raping? Moderate raping. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, my Nirvana cover band. Oh, Paul and Storm in the house. Uh, so, who were your influences when you were growing up? Was it with Dudley Moore, Peter Cook, these guys? I, lo- I love them. Uh, I guess my kind of generation, in terms of who I was watching when I was a teenager, I was really obsessed with this guy, Armando Inucci's work, who... Uh, he was behind Alan Partridge, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he also worked with Chris Morris, who did a show called Brass Eye. Yes. Uh, all, all of these are very good. This is like a. I've seen I've seen the Chris Morris stuff. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. really great. And he's just he's just on a, a new movie called Four Lions. Four Lions is an amazing. Yes. Movie. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it's a comedy film about suicide bombers. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. You can imagine why it's done the so well in America. <laughs> They're the protagonists. Just to let you know. They're yeah. the ones you're rooting for throughout it. Yeah. yeah. And it's, also for those hipsters out there, watch uh, his show Nathan Barley. You'll really enjoy oh, yeah, that. Yeah, Barley's great. Yeah, um, but so that, I really loved uh, them and uh, a stand-up called Stuart Lee. You know Stuart Lee? I don't know Stuart He's Lee. He's very good. Uh, I loved him uh, when I was just starting off doing stand-up. Dylan Moran. Lots. There's, there's, some, uh, there's a reading list for you. There you go. Armando Anucci, he's a phenomenal writer. He, he did a movie you might have seen last year called... I don't know. 
Uh, Interesting. In the loop. Well done. Crowdsourcing. Excellent. Thank you very much. So Thank you for being a human IMDb there. <laughs> so who, who are British comics that Americans might not know that you feel like that we should go out and try to dig up? Uh, in terms of seeing live? Or, or at least just getting, you know, just getting recordings of? Uh, well, Stuart Lee is excellent. Simon Munnery is uh, really phenomenal, very imaginative. I think you'd like him. Although, some of you probably wouldn't, but... <laughs> That's how things work! That's, That's true. That is, that is a fair qualifier. Um, Sometimes stuff is rad, other times yeah. not, not so, so rad. rad. And, uh, and uh, there's a, a live uh, performer called Daniel Kitson, who you oh, won't yes. be able to find any recordings of, but he is worth seeing live, whether he's doing story shows or stand-up. I think I might have seen Kitson at uh, Edinburgh in, like, 96 or 7, when we went through there. Yeah. And it was in a very small theater, but he, something about his set, I think he, was, he decided to eat a bag of crisps during his set. Does that sound like Kitson? It sounds like he gets hungry. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, yeah it, it does. That, that could be him. That was not a bit, though. No, no, he, he, did, do, he did do this bit. Oh, and he did it as a bit. What I'm saying is, he, oh, he I don't just... think that was a prepared bit. Oh, gotcha. I think he got hungry and he lacks <laughs> the performance discipline not to let that hunger affect what he's doing on stage. <laughs> he kind of has no internal monologue, so he think, I'm hungry, there's some crisps that someone has, I will eat those. Not, I'm hungry, well, I should have thought of that, I'm performing, this is their time. That doesn't apply. By the way, he would say all that out loud, yes, too. and he like, would also right. narrate exactly what was going through. Yeah, but he's, uh, he's excellent if you ever get to see him live. Are you bummed, and I don't know, because maybe you have friends who worked on this movie, so if you do, I apologize. Are you bummed about the Arthur remake? Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I, he I, is. I appointed this guy for any question that could be awkward, that gentleman is answering. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, you know, he felt like, yeah. we're all in a thing now, I can just uh, offer my opinion uh, when not yeah. asked. Uh, but uh, It seems, at best... Unnecessary. Yeah. And at worst, ill-conceived. I mean, Luis Guzman as Bitterman? Come on. Yeah. Um, but we're getting it. Yep. That's for sure. It's I happening. Just, I just, the thing that's infuriating to me about it is it's not like, it's not like remaking an old movie. You're taking a character that someone created mm -hmm. and stealing it from them. Yeah. Like, if someone was like, oh, I'm just going to be Chaplin now. Right. Like, well, you can't do that because a guy did that already. You know, like I don't know. I just don't think it's. I don't think it's awesome. Let the box office decide. Yeah. Let <laughs> let people talk with their dollars. Are you guys gonna see Arthur? This is not. This is not the group to ask. Is it coming to South by Southwest and saying, "Are you gonna see the remake of Arthur?" Yeah. That is the response you're gonna get. Jersey Shore in the house. Yeah. You guys gonna see Battle L.A.? <laughs> <laughs> not so much. Yeah. So, uh, uh, what is a typical day like for you on the, on the Daily Show? Well, I get in in the morning. We have a writers' meeting at 9 o'clock. Uh, we talk about what we're going to do, probably split off into pairs or do single passes on uh, different aspects of the headline. Maybe we write a, a chat for correspondent, whoever that chat is. Uh, then we get some notes on it, rewrite, more notes, rewrite, lunch. Rewrite. <laughs> uh, then we rehearse at 4 o'clock, like I was saying, no audience. Uh, then that takes about 20 minutes. Then from 4.20 to 6 o'clock, John rewrites it with a smaller group of people. Uh, 6 o'clock the show, 6.30 it's over. That's it. That's an insane, that's an insane schedule to do that five, was it four or five days a week. Four, uh, we work five days a week. We do four shows a week. But it's, I was talking to someone this morning. Best, work, best way I can describe it is it is 
Like it's, it's incessant, the shells that we put together. So it's like working in a sausage factory, <laughs> trying to churn out the highest quality sausages you can from some of the most disgusting ingredients imaginable. <laughs> so that's... And there's not very many female writers. That's the other one. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's not, actually, that's not true. No, I know. I know. Yeah, we do, we, do have, uh, we do have female writers, and, which I think is slightly unusual for other late-night shows. Yeah. And also, writing on The Daily Show, it's not just the writers that do it. It's also uh, the people that source the clips. That is undeniably writing, because they're finding stuff and saying this will be funny next to this. And when I say funny, I mean incredibly depressing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, it's a very collaborative show. It's a lot of fun to work at, but it doesn't stop. But I would imagine, you know, once you've, once you've worked on this show for a few years, as you have, you, I mean, I can't imagine that there's a writing job that would scare you after this. Probably not, no. I mean, it's, it is, it's a lot of fun, but it is exhausting. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, we have this week off, hence coming down here. But otherwise, it, just, it does just go on and on. I just walked past the CNN truck earlier today, and I still feel like a naughty child. <laughs> Walking past that, I'm kind of expecting someone to go, get away from that, you little ruffian. Yeah, no, CNN's like, get off my lawn, Daily Show. <laughs> you think, well, I feel like this, this compulsion to let down their tires or something. <laughs> and I am an adult. I am genetically now an adult, and that should not even be a thought I have to refuse. <laughs> yeah, I just want to mess with that bus so bad. I think, why are they here? I don't... <laughs> what are they doing? They, they seem so interested in doing anything other than being a news agency. <laughs> why are they here? I know, it's an, I know there's an interactive element to it. I get that. Yep. But is that enough? Let me answer that. No, it's not. <laughs> Yeah, it's but not. what else is going on right now that they could be covering? That's I mean, right. there's nothing. <laughs> That's their point. I think of one thing, one thing. It's just uh, hipsters eating street sausage yeah, at yeah. Uh, 2 o'clock yeah. in the morning and pretty much nothing else in the world. So, yeah, there's something so sad about seeing someone with a CNN badge and a flip cam pointing it. <laughs> That's at all of their reporters, isn't it? That's You're right, like yeah. Everyone, yeah. That's kind of it, though. They don't get to... They've all been told now they have to travel kind of shooting themselves yeah. and doing their own sound journalism. And their research is all off of Twitter. That's all, like I was watching CNN. It was just five minutes of reading tweets. I was like, this is fucking great. Yeah. I don't have to use my eyeballs. I could just use my ears and listen to this asshole and read tweets for me. That's news. Yep. Yep. Is it, is it I mean, do, is it uh, like the idea that, that so many people get their actual no. news from, from, no, from Daily they Show. Don't, I know, they don't, Chris. I know, you know they I know, I know, but some people do. Some people do. I don't think that's true. Because I think you'd have to, I think you'd have to be getting news from other sources to even understand what we were talking about. So I think that only occurs when it poses a question, do you watch The Daily Show or cable news? And if people go to us, and I'm not even sure they do, if they go to us over that, that is through a failing of the cable news <laughs> rather than the success of what we do. We're a comedy show. Yeah. That, we're pretty open about that. <laughs> <laughs> they are a new show and seem to be, there's some subterfuge as to whether that's actually the case or not. So, yeah, I, I really don't think young people, if I may 
cast you all with that. Uh, I don't think young people do get their news from The Daily Show. I think they come to us for comedy. And if you come to us for something other than comedy, you are going to be disappointed. <laughs> I, uh, I tune into CNN for holograms. Yep, that's right. <laughs> I flipped over to Headline News for the whole the, uh, the Japan earthquake thing, and I was like, oh, Headline News would probably have... Nope, showbiz tonight. <laughs> But the Kardashians are really good. Headline news yeah. doesn't... It's hard to keep up Headline with news doesn't really count, though. That's, that's, that's the kind of news you want if you're in an airport. Right. Nothing too... Ironically, heavy. I was. Yeah, there you go. See, that's it. <laughs> Do you think you'd be able to, like, you know, at some day, if, you, if, you, if you're not working on the Daily Show anymore, would you go to work for someone like CNN, or would, are you going to no, go... No, okay. no. Because <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's a comedian. Will you end your comedy career to... <laughs> No, but I. But listen, it, like if you know, if 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 someone took over and they were like, we want to make the, you know, like we want to we want to do be funny and like we want to present news in a funny way on, on a certain show. Like I would say, you should go and do that on a comedy channel. <laughs> and if you work for a news channel, stop trying to be funny because you can't do it, and it's sad. Yeah. Yeah. It, no, I would never ever do that because I'm not a qualified journalist. I do as. Unlike what perhaps it seems, I do have great respect for good journalism. But, so I can't do that. I have no journalistic skills or responsibility. That's what, at times, makes my job so easy. Because when you're interviewing people, they expect it to be within the rules of politeness that you get in journalism, and they are very quickly disappointed by those parameters. I mean, at this point, people must know what they're getting into if, they, if you interview them. I think they do, it. but I guess there's part of them that thinks, well, you know, it's going to be like a news interview. He's not going to tell me to go fuck myself. <laughs> not for one page of questions, I'm not, but then that is going to happen. <laughs> Do they not understand that you guys can edit the footage however you want? It's amazing how... Because people do believe what they say when you're interviewing these people. They, you know, we, we talk to them because they do hold these opinions. And so some of the crazier people, that often those that, that you think come out the worst from those field pieces, are often the ones that then call up the next day to say, can I have 30 copies of that on DVD for my family? And you think, you can. <laughs> But I wouldn't in your position. But I think, I think they're like watching it thinking, why are they laughing? I've made an entirely coherent point about the birthplace of Barack Hussein Obama. <laughs> They don't understand. They don't see where the comedy is. No, not. From. I think they literally don't. I think they think I got it. You know, I said what I thought. Why is that? Why is that audience laughing at me? Now, where do you do, do, do these people? How do, you, how do you guys find these people? Do they do they write in and say I have a crazy thing, or is your is your team is your team just scouring? I want to look stupid. Yeah. Please put me on TV, Daily Show. Dear Daily Show, I have a crazy thing. <laughs> yeah. You always put any any letters in green pen at the top of the pile. Uh, the ones in crayon. Yeah. Uh, no, we go, we have researchers who like will find a story and then they'll kind of go out and cast the people that you need. So uh, then we go and talk to them. Yeah, it's it's uh, every every single one is different. That's kind of what makes it interesting. It all comes with different challenges. How has working on the Daily Show changed uh, your stand-up since you started? Uh, it probably hasn't really, because I used the stand-up to kind of get away mentally from all of that. So I, I was doing stand-up that was slightly political before, and I guess it's still the same now. So there's not a lot of crossover writing-wise between writing for the show and writing stand-up. Uh, I'm curious. Uh, England likes Kate Middleton. Does not like Kate Middleton. Where are we at this? <laughs> we don't like her. We love her. Oh. <laughs> we love that. Is she is another the... people's princess? She... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, John, I'm so sorry. I thought enough time. It's too soon. You're right. I'm sorry. Jesus. 
so sorry. Now do the accent again. We're, we're talking no, about do the accent again. We're talking about Sarah Ferguson, right? We're talking about Sarah Ferguson. <laughs> That's right, the real people. <laughs> do um, the accent. It's going to be very exciting, this wedding. Yes. Uh, we, now, we do hope, the British, that what's going to happen is that uh, William and Kate are going to have the child that's going to get us our empire back one day. Right. <laughs> Anything short of that, that child will have failed. Uh, but it will be great. You know, this wedding is going to be really overblown mess. Something we cannot afford financially at the moment. Yeah. But we're going to spend that money anyway to see them parade down a road. Yeah, that's insane. Or you just hear about like how many countries in the European Union are going bankrupt. Yes. And like, and we're going to have 300 horses and yep. gold carriages. Yeah, and... we're going to have RuPaul's dream for one day. <laughs> it's one day. There's going to be gold. It's going to be fabulous. <laughs> you, should just, you should just have a bunch of people just dressed up in like bad clown makeup, just throwing cake at the commoners. Yeah, like, right because, in their faces. because with, the, with the history of the royal family, that almost makes historic sense. <laughs> But they would just throw stuff. You go, I guess, I guess maybe, oh, no. that, maybe it, it's tradition. We must keep this alive. Do throw you, it again. Do you feel like there will always be a British aristocracy or at some point they're going to be like, okay, enough of this, come on. Well, we still, you know, the Tower of London is still active and I think that's the idea, that people like that that's still an option, that there are spikes on the top of that wall that we can use if we need to. Okay. Uh, but at the moment, they're just a nice kind of tourist thing. Now, what you often find with royal weddings is that when they interview people, when they go along the line of people standing there, almost half of them are American. <laughs> it's just Americans going over there saying, you know, I love the pomp, I love the circumstance. Yes, we don't have pomp and circumstance You here. don't have either of those things, no. no. Um, and we have, you know, we have both of those in spades, but we just don't use them much. You know, we're like emotional volcanoes. So <laughs> everything, everything, we repress everything, and then it takes something like a royal event, wedding or... <laughs> what you referred to <laughs> to get us burst us out of our shell and then you have this spectacular scene yeah it's going to be ridiculous <laughs> when is when is the wedding happening it is happening it's in, in April right April April 29th April 29th <laughs> oh counting down the days I can't believe it oh. fingers crossed what are you going to send them oh I don't know probably some kind of kitchen utensil <laughs> <laughs> And an invoice for the tax I'm spending on that wedding. You know, <laughs> you know, I would bet the Prince and Kate don't have a pizza pizzazz. I bet they don't. We can send I them. bet they don't. Uh, diggity dogger, they could use that. Uh, right. Diggity yeah. dogger. Toasts the buns too, Chris. Oh my God. Maybe, maybe I should send them one of those, uh, something with an American twist, like one of those uh, enormous muffin pans. Yes. Can make a giant muffin. Yes. <laughs> a giant opulent muffin. A huge opulent You muffin. get that much more muffin top. Yep. You, you, yeah. you do. A Trenta-sized Starbucks cup. Right. Yeah. Or one of those, uh, I think there's an Oreo pan where you can make one single Oreo. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that shit. That sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> right? No, no, it sounds fucking amazing. Yeah. You can fucking smother ice cream on the top of it. Yes, you can. You're you free can to do that. cut it up like a cake. Yep, you are free to do that. That is your right that's as an American. That's great. Yeah. Jonah cannot wrap his mind yeah, around that's, this. That's pretty good. Oreo, you call me an Oreo. I love him. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> is it weird to you that the royal family probably knows who you are? <laughs> no. No? I, I cannot believe that's true. I did get one of my proudest moments was before I left, I was working on this radio program and I got, uh, there was an official complaint about something I did from Buckingham Palace. Ooh. What you're not supposed to do, the Queen does a speech every Christmas uh, in the afternoon 
she comes on TV and she talks to her subjects. Sure. Of which I am one. <laughs> As we're familiar with yeah, from the Doctor saw, Who Christmas special. Uh, right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad that's where you get your British history. Yep, all, that's where we get our British yeah. news from Doctor Who. weird looking people that can't climb stairs in Britain. Yeah. Well, the, you know, the Queen has to have that secret society, the secret agency, you know, right. the, the, the Torchwood project. Yeah, so she, so she speaks, and what you can't do is mess with that speech, okay. the audio of it. Now, obviously, the problem is that's very tempting. <laughs> and I gave in to that temptation, and I believe I set her speech to R. Kelly's I Believe I Can Fly. <laughs> now... And she was not charmed by this. It was too, it's she, an inspirational yeah. song. So they, they contacted, apparently, the, the, uh, the, the palace contacted the radio station to say there is an official complaint. I, I said, can I please get that in writing? <laughs> and I think they realised the complaint was not being received in the spirit in which it was issued. Because <laughs> I wanted it so bad. Uh, can you imagine that Buckingham Palace letterhead, a letter of complaint, how wonderful that would look? Especially if they described what the oh, infraction was. Oh, that would be was. so good! Yes. So good. <laughs> on, the, on the morning of April 22nd, <laughs> you did place the... I believe I can fly. <laughs> I believe I can touch the sky. It's not okay. It's Think not about okay. it every night and day. You can't. You can't. Wings and flowers. We just put together our act for Edinburgh. I think what we've just shown is that I did make her speech more interesting. <laughs> and if anybody will sue a podcast for copyright, it's R. Kelly. Uh, uh, <laughs> After he pisses on somebody. Little Richard style. <laughs> You're thinking Thanks. of uh, Chuck Berry. Chuck Berry style. There you go. I'm sure a little Richard peed on somebody. <laughs> you can't deny that that's a good possibility. That little Richard Peter. Your logic is you sound. Just, uh, you just got the title of your new seven-inch right there, my friend. <laughs> R- 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 little Richard probably peed on someone. Yeah. Jonah Ray. Hashtag fact. Yeah. Hashtag fact. So you can't... Can, can you really get in trouble with the, with the royal family, or can they just kind of... Is it just a slap on the wrist? Well... Can they even do that? Treason is still the only crime for which the death penalty is current. In Interesting. So I don't think R. Kelly constitutes treason. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, you can get in trouble if you, if you mess with them. If By you, order of the queen, mess with it, she yes. does not, in fact, believe she can fly. That's right. <laughs> Chris, you're doing it again. I'm sorry. I can't help it. I can't help it. For some reason, as the queen, it just didn't matter. Yeah. I didn't put my back up as much. It feels like yes, you should have a voice like that, writing to people to <laughs> tell you how you let the queen down that year. <laughs> Don't they understand how British people work? Yeah. They, that, everyone wants to get that letter. That would be great. Like a school report at the end of the year for every It'll British time citizen. consuming. That's right. These are the ways in which you have disappointed Her Majesty. I, it's, it's the new knighthood. Yeah. The opposite of a knighthood. That'd be great if the Queen had a shit list instead. <laughs> Announce it every year. The following subjects are on my shit list. Yeah. And instead of sir, they have to use the word cunt in front of your name. Big swing, Chris. Big, big linguistic swing there. I am by that. You left that all on the field. I did. I don't mind dropping the C-bomb. It just sounds so horrible with our American accents. That's the problem. It sounds pretty bad with an English one as well. But it, sound, it sounds more creepy than aggressive in an English accent. Yeah, it does. 
It does. I'm not going to embody that, Chris. All right. You'll have to do that. So maybe I could, you could see my eyes, like I got a little bit like, like we were on the end of a date and I was hoping to get some tit or something. Like, <laughs> what you going to say? It's just a big tease. Oh, I'm taking that oh. home for my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, have you, do you actually, do you ever go back to England? You actually have not been back. I've barely been back because I was applying for a green card for a while and you can't leave the country. Yeah. Did when you get you it? Did you get the green card? I did get it. Congratulations. Thank you very Fantastic. much. Thank you. Can I see? I've never, I don't yeah, know can. I see I'll like. show you what you can get if you marry Gerard Depardieu. <laughs> here, it's here. Oh, is he available? Look, my, that's it. My favorite thing is the giant magnetic strip on the back. Oh, my God. That's weird. Yeah. And it has... I was... Uh, I got, when I was in the airport the other day, at the top, those are all tiny images of each American president. So they look for Obama now to see if it's current. Oh my God, that's crazy. That's Isn't what those little right? pictures are? Yeah. That's insane. It's great. But um, yeah, I was very relieved to get it because living on a visa was absolutely awful. Because you never, it's hard to explain to Americans, really, how difficult it is to get into your country and stay here. Well, did you? No, you just run in. You just American, run in. You have yeah. an American Express card. You could have just gotten in with that, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. I tried. Although I did because it was really stressful living on a visa. And then I had to re up it every year and you'd have to leave. And you're pretty much just at the discrimination of the individual person you talk to as to whether they will let you in or not. Yeah. And there was, the last time I'd done it, it was like they were only giving me 12-month visas towards the end, which was not a good sign. And uh, I went up to the window at this, uh, uh, in the uh, American Embassy in London, and the woman looked at me and glared and said, give me one good reason I should let you back into my country to insult my president. Oh. And my stomach collapsed. And I thought, this is it. This is... That's it. It's been fun, but I guess this is over now. And then she said, I'm just kidding. I love the show. Uh. <laughs> Neither the time nor the place for that. Hired. I think she was expecting me just to kind of laugh and say, oh, thank you. But I was still devastated. <laughs> it did not, that joke did not work. But then she just looked mortified because she could see how upset she made. We go, no, it's funny. It's funny. <laughs> It's funny how I nearly couldn't go and get my stuff. <laughs> I can see why it's funny. I, I'll be able to laugh about this one day, but today is not that day, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. She, yeah, yeah. That was, is uh, genius. Yeah, good for her, in a way. <laughs> and she's here tonight. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was a very stressful time. So, uh, do, you, do you guys work... Is it, is it literally like 45 weeks a year? Do you only get a couple weeks I don't off? know how many it is. We kind of have weeks off spread throughout the year. So this is one, and then I think we've got some time off in July. Yeah. Two weeks. And then maybe some time, yeah, some time later in the year. Do you ever think beyond, uh, do you ever think beyond the show? Like, or do you want to do a sitcom? Do you want to do films? Do you want to do tour really. stand-up? What do you no, want to do? No, I think I'm in an odd situation. I know lots of people have done the Daily Show and then gone on to do other stuff, whether it wants to be a sitcom or a movie star. But I really love this show. Like, it was my favorite show before I came here. So I don't want to leave. So I won't leave until <laughs> I'm fired, and I'm not even sure I'll leave then. Uh, uh, so yeah, I don't. If I was doing something else, I'd just be trying to get to work on the Daily Show. So I have no. It's nice to do other stuff for fun, but I have no desire to go and do anything else. Do you guys uh, do? Do you hang out with anyone from the show? I know Wyatt, Wyatt Senek. I know Wyatt very well. Yeah, he's, he's great. My, yeah, yeah, he's great. Look, he, he got a single whistle there. You, oh. Why I got a single whistle? Kind of, and I, what I liked was it wasn't the kind of. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, so it's, 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 it's impossible to determine the value of the I, intention I of that whistle. Yeah, I love Wyatt. I love it. In fact, I had an anxiety dream that he was deciding to leave the show. It was a really specific dream. I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. It is. But it was, like, it was a really very... It was like, you know, like dreams you can do anything. Like you could have a, an action movie. It was more like a Mike Lee film. That hyper real, and he just said, "Yeah, I think I'm not going to work at the show anymore. I'm going to go and do something else." And I was devastated, and the scene played out. <laughs> and, Did you wake up crying? And I woke up, no, thinking, "Oh, that's terrible," because I love him being on the show. I love having him around the office, and I'm awake, and he's not leaving. Yay! Yeah. And your um, your fiance's like, "Honey, honey, why are you screaming yeah. Wyatt's name?" Yeah. <laughs> you had another Wyatt dream, didn't you? <laughs> But this one was different. It was different. No, they're, they're all yeah, different, they're John, all different. aren't they? Did he leave again? This is bullshit. <laughs> I'm gonna be with Tyson. Yeah. So I yeah, and Wyatt, in fact, has done an hour special, which is coming up on Comedy Central, which I was at the taping of, and it's fantastic. He's so fucking. So funny. I think that's gonna be on in May, and that's worth looking out for. I'm so glad. And Wyatt's one of those guys who, like, you know, he was around the UCB New York. He came around UCB LA. He was always one of the guys that you would want to watch when he would perform. Yeah. And he kind of got to a point uh, where, you know, things weren't going as hot. He was kind of, like, like money was a little tight. And then, like, this is his last Hail Mary pass, and he yeah. fucking gets on The Daily Show. It was amazing. He had his car repoed the week before yeah. he yeah. got hired on our show. That's yeah. true. Yeah. And so it it was, literally, uh, his life changed within a week yeah. when he got on uh, yeah, The was, Daily uh, Show. It's been great. Um, are you, are you going to do another special since you've been doing the, the John Oliver shows? I think so. I know that I owe them a special. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you owe us a special, you yeah. know. I do, I do want to do a special, but I'll, I'd, I think I'd like to do something that's uh, slightly different uh, than just a, a normal hour stand-up. Because I really like doing this series of doing having with other people there. It's more fun doing it with other people. Yeah. There. So I like doing stand-up that way. But I, I'll, do an, I'll do a special of some kind. I just don't know what it is yet. Do you get to travel a lot, a lot around the country? Do they send you a lot? Yeah, to interview people, to meet the America's greatest whack jobs for the Daily Show. <laughs> I, definitely, I definitely do that. Uh, and I do stand up as much as I can. Yeah, I, I travel around. I was here. I was in the Paramount Theatre in Austin. That Excellent. Was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! Woo! The Paramount. <laughs> um, yeah, and I've just been in Dallas and uh, Houston on the way here just to do a couple of gigs. Houston is an interesting town. Is it? There are no. <laughs> How, Chris? Define interesting. Yeah, how? how? Houston, Houston has no zoning laws, and so, okay, that yeah, is interesting. all right, so, so you'll see, you'll see like, a, like a huge, you know, super future looking office building right next to like a dumpy strip club. Like, there's no right. zoning laws in That's Houston. True. Yeah, it is, it is architecturally eccentric. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I was in Dallas. I, actually, I walked into, by chance, have you been to the, uh, the book depository? No. I, I was just walking along, just thinking I'll just walk around Dallas and then realizing Dallas did not hold much for me. <laughs> and then I walked it, I suddenly thought, oh, I wonder where that was and checked on my phone. And it was a few blocks away. And they put two crosses in the road, in the middle of the road, where the two bullets hit. And it means, and there's still an active road. So all you see is people running into the road in between traffic, striking a pose. Any of which would what? be inappropriate. Pretend like you're shooting me. Pretend like you're shooting me. It's amazing. I'm going to go back and to the left. You get the shot. 
I'll be on the knoll. Just I'll to be, be safe. Knoll. Cover the knoll. I'll just to be safe. We're not going to know yet. Yeah. So take when we find out. Take two pictures from there and one from over there. Someone well. be yeah. the cigarette smoking man in the sewer. But we're going to lose the picture from over there on the knoll. <laughs> <laughs> but there was, there, was a, there was a father there who had a cuddly toy. Like, you know, like a businessman carry, sometimes carry their children's toys. Yep. Yeah, in to, cell phone commercials. Yeah. Oh, does that not happen? <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, I thought <laughs> I've never that... seen it. Is that real? Is that a thing? Do they do that? Has anyone ever... Has that... Are there any businessmen here? Yes. <laughs> All right. No, I didn't think so. I am a businessman. <laughs> so, like, show, yeah, like, show to famous places where it's been. But, oh. again, that was a little weird. Yeah. Take a photo of that. Unless you're taking photos of all world assassination sites <laughs> to kind of depress your daughter. Say, yeah. look, we're, we're in New Delhi. Honey, Here's where Gandhi Elvis. was hit. Yeah, we're going to hit the Sadat camp. Uh, you know, we're just going to cover them all. Very weird. Uh, it was really fascinating. We got Reagan, even though he didn't fucking die. But whatever. Here's your elephant at Ford's Theater. Uh, <laughs> it was... It was... It was... It was an interesting thing to visit because it was much closer than I thought it would be. Can I pitch you a show? Your travel show? Mm-hmm. John Oliver's Assassination. Oh. All right. oh, shit. We send you around to all the famous assassination spots. Oh, that's got to appeal to the sponsors. <laughs> a British person taking us through America's greatest assassinations. <laughs> that's right, middle America. It's coming. <laughs> Let's not we'll soften co- the blow. We'll put yeah. you in the Dakota in New York. We'll just have you where John Lennon was killed. <laughs> then we'll move into presidents. <laughs> John Oliver's assassination. You'll never see it coming. <laughs> uh, we wow. have a show for you. It's hard to resist a tag as good as that. <laughs> uh, you know, the concept is a little dodgy, but you got a good tag. A good tag's a good tag. A good tag is all you need. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even need to make the show. Uh, so uh, are you, you're going back to New York after you're doing shows tonight. Who's on your shows tonight? Pete Holmes. Yeah. Al Madrigal. Excellent. Kamal Nanjani. Wonderful. I was wondering if you were going to lead a gap at some point there. No. Uh, Kamal Nanjani and... Hold on. Who did I say? Pete Holmes. Brendan Walsh. Jeff Dunham. Jeff Dunham is yep, there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't belong in that there. group at all. Ron White is yep. going to be performing. <laughs> Larry the Cable Guy will oh, be with wonderful. us. Yes, yes, that's right. Um, who else? I can't remember. Lots of some fantastic people. Now you and I, you're actually you you were involved in the selection of the comics for your show. Am I not? Am I not mistaken? Yeah. Well, I kind of the ones uh, obviously some uh, people that know there are comedians that people know like Maria and so on, uh, and but some are newer comics that I'd seen just d- doing gigs. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, we try to get as many on of them as we can. There's a guy Mike Lawrence, very new, mm-hmm. excellent, did a really great set. So that's the first time he's been on TV. That's cool. I because. I, what is really amazing is it's not just to get a stand-up show on the air, but to do a season two uh, right. is an incredible feat. Thank you. It really is. Like, uh, m- most stand-up shows, you know, like, that's why they don't program them anymore. Like, in the 80s, was there a huge, was there a stand-up comedy boom in England in the 80s? Like, no, was here? but we're getting it now. Oh, now you're getting it. <laughs> yeah, and it is, it is weird watching the book. There are stand-ups playing arenas. Like, I, I, a friend of mine who... Uh, uh, who, uh, who was just doing normal gigs before I left. Last time I spoke to him, he was doing a 20,000-seater arena. Like the O2 or something? Yeah. yeah. That's not good for stand-up. <laughs> no, no stand-up gig benefits from seeing someone that small. No. It's, that's not good. Yeah. So we are about to go through the 1980s in England in stand-up and economically. <laughs> <laughs> um, now's, a good, now's a good time. But yeah, I, I, love, I love stand-up. As you, you know, you know, so it's... Uh, I think it kind of helps if you make a show like that with real love because it's easy not to really give a shit about stand-up. Yeah. 
because it's very easy not to give a shit about. Well, there were tons. I mean, like you know, like kind of during the end of the stand-up boom in the in the early '90s, I had a bunch of friends who did this thing uh, called uh, Buster Poindexter's Happy Hour on VH1, and they had Buster Poindexter, and he was just the set was that he was in a lounge. And he just had these people come in and do comedy. And, uh, and that was the show where they accidentally introduced uh, Dana Gould as Carlos Mencia. Oh. I was at the taping, and they're like, ladies and gentlemen, Carlos Mencia. And Dana Gould walks out, and Dana Gould just instantly goes, isn't it crazy to be Latino? <laughs> they were like, cut. Oh, no. Cut is the opposite of what they should have shouted. They didn't miss a fucking, he didn't miss a fucking beat with it. It was gorgeous moments. I have one question there. Yes. Who is Buster Poindexter? Buster Poindexter is a guy named David Johansson, New York Dolls, and then uh, oh. and then in the '80s he did this character called Buster Poindexter. He was oh. this like guy. He was in Scrooged. Yeah. The, uh, the, yeah. the Ghost, of, Chris, Ghost of Christmas Past. Yeah. Or the Ghost of Christmas Past, as Dickens would have written him, <laughs> the, the cab driver. Uh, yeah. But uh, he was kind of a popular. Sort of by, like popular in the way that Dr. Joyce Brothers was popular. Okay. You know what I mean? He did that in song. the way that Max Headroom started hot, doing hot. Coke commercials. That's uh, everyone's hot, hot, hot. That one's Everyone's yeah. hot, hot, hot. Yeah, yeah. Are you feeling it? Hot, hot, hot. Are you feeling it? Hot, hot, hot. You mean a feeling? Hot, hot, hot. That's Buster Poindexter. Hot, hot, hot. Yep. Yep. Oh, I know that. Now everybody get up. Of course, Esther's Follies has this cute. Of course it does. Why would they not? Uh, that's what that's, that's what there's the building. Just, there's just a button that says hot hot hot. Uh, they don't even have to look into a computer. They just up oh, hot hot hot. Two buttons. One says lights. One says hot hot hot. <laughs> that's it. You got yourself Esther's Follies. And that is what it's like to have a radio show. Fart <laughs> <laughs> well drop. Wow. Fart drop. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'd love to, if, if it's okay with you, I'd love to take some questions from the audience. Do you mind answering a couple of questions from people? It depends on the question, but sure. All right, well, you can, cho- you can pick and choose. You don't have to answer no, if you don't want to. Uh, let's go with this gentleman right here because he's up front and spunky. What's your name? Yeah. I'm Shane. Shane, uh, what is your question? Um, when you travel all over the United States, was there one time when you were really scared to interview someone? If so, when, where, and why did it scare you? I got this, John. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You need to be more specific. Oh, it's for John. John Oliver. The celebrity? Okay. No, go wow. for it. You just stretched that term to breaking points. But, uh, there were two times. I was at a Sarah Palin rally in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And uh, they, were, they had signs. That the police were saying on the way in, no signs, no guns in there. So leave your signs, leave your guns. And we were interviewing people outside the perimeter of that. <laughs> <laughs> and I do remember thinking this could be the last thing I do and then the other time was uh, I had to interview the we sometimes interview ambassadors I interviewed the Israeli ambassadors to the UN and it was very dramatic to even get in there we were having to they had Mossad searching our cameras breaking them down rebuilding them and sat there and I knew that my first question for him was as a British person Obviously, I'm an anti-Semite. <laughs> Please convince me that you're not running the world. So I see this on my leg, and I see Mossad with machine guns over his shoulder, and similarly think, okay, well, if I had to go, this would be an interesting way to do that. And actually, it's very sweet. He was a really nice guy. And when the woman who'd set up the interview, when I asked that question, she was in my eye line, 
And all I saw was her hand go up to her face. <laughs> How did he answer it? He was, he laughed and he was real, he was incredibly nice and gracious and uh, depressingly used to anti-Semitic comments, I think. <laughs> Albeit, I think it was quite nice to have an anti-Semitic comment that someone didn't mean. Uh, yeah. Well, and also, like, again, people know, they, yeah. they should he have knew, an understanding. He knew full well and he was really happy with it at the end. But yeah, those were the two moments that stick out. All right, uh, what is your name, sir? John, as well. Uh, I went to high school with Wyatt Zanak, and I just, if you would like Did to you? see your book photos, I could bring those to you. Oh, yeah, right yes. now? Uh, well, then uh, go away. <laughs> Where was that? You, did, you, did you have a question? Where was, was, the, where was well, the high school? That was my, that was my question. Oh, he, he, Jesuit, uh, Jesuit in Dallas? Yeah. yeah. Oh, to Jesuit school? Yes. I went to Jesuit school. Did you, did you guys have Jug? Uh, no. Jug was detention in Jesuit school. It meant justice under God. <laughs> oh, boy. So if you got Jug, like, shit was about to get real. <laughs> did it work? Do you need a lens that size for how close I am? <laughs> Do you want to have a, a, a ginormous face? <laughs> With, with a puzzled pink finger point. I can't wait to see MSNBC's late night schedule jug raw now. <laughs> I want to start a new meme. Puzzled Chris Hardwick. I'm just pointing at the meme. What is your name, sir? Mike. Mike, what's your question? Uh, well, you're going to have a bigger role. On... You can put your hand down. You don't have to keep your hand up. <laughs> oh, I see Mike still has a question. <laughs> Will you get a bigger role on Community on the next couple episodes in season three? What was the question? Uh, will you get a will you get a recurring role in Community? Will yes. you get a, will you get a bigger role in the next season? No. Ah. <laughs> wow, what an emotional roller coaster I took you on there. Uh, I've I've shot another couple of episodes before the end of the season, so there are a couple more coming up. But I can't do any more than I do right now because I don't want to leave the Daily Show. So they're incredibly, incredibly generous about working around my schedule. So when I have a week off, I can go and do a couple of episodes for them, which is exactly as much fun as you imagine it would be. And I'm so glad, you know, because when I remember when I saw the community pilot, people I talked to afterwards, after they saw the first episode, I was like, oh my God, John Oliver's in it. And there was always a little bit of like, yeah, but he's only in the pilot. Yeah. You know, like they wanted you to come back. Oh, or... let's hope so. Let's, yeah. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to do. And I do like the show. I, d I didn't really have any interest of being in a sitcom, but I liked that particular one a lot. It's nice. They try it's, hard. And it's not sitcom-y. Like, it's not, it's not a sitcom-y format. No, so. it's amazing what they can get away with. All right, yeah. here. Here's a, here's a gentleman right here in the middle. What is your name, sir? <laughs> Hold me, Papa Bear. <laughs> this, is a, this is a bear cub situation if I've ever seen one. <laughs> and judging by the boner in my leg, <laughs> that is not a joke. All right, uh, what is your name? Jim. Jim, and what is your question? Uh, have you ever, does it happen very often, or has it ever happened that you lost it while asking a question and trying to keep it together? Lost it, lost it how? <laughs> like you just like broke? keep it together, you couldn't help but laughing while asking a question? Not really, because the atmosphere in the room during those interviews is not really very funny. Uh, so I, I generally don't giggle so much as already wince, thinking, oh, do I have to say this thing I thought of? That's the, that's, the, that's the problem. When you, when you write, write ideas for these field pieces, it's sometimes so stupid where you think, oh, it'd be really funny if the correspondent said this to this person. You think, well, I'd then have to go and fucking do that. <laughs> so why don't I shut my fucking mouth? 
be funny if it was just a pleasant conversation. It'd be really funny, wouldn't it? Nice. It'd be nice. It'd be a nice conversation to have. Do you, do you feel a constant pressure, like, when you... Now I'm just walking around like Phil Donahue. Uh, John! John, let me ask you, John. Do you feel a constant pressure? That's how you would ask <laughs> That's how he would ask it. Like, he's shooting bullets with his words. Um, do you feel a constant pressure, like, you know... Because there, there is a lot of shock value that's a, that, that, you, that is utilized in the show, right? Do you, ever, do you ever feel pressure like that you have to keep topping previous interviews or do you not think about it in not those really, terms? Cause it's kind of a case-by-case case basis. They're all so different. What you're trying to get from people and how you're going to do it is so different. Or it's, you kind of make it different so that it stays interesting. But no, not really. Not really. And also, kind of because we churn out so much, I tend to forget. The pieces are pretty soon after we've done them because you're already worried about how you're going to emotionally get through the next one. It's not a lot of fun. You do have to kind of turn off. It is a lot of fun after the fact. In the room, you do have to kind of flick off your compassion switch and hope that it switches back. Are you ever ever in a situation where you're at home and you've gotten home from work and you see some insane thing happen on the news and then you instantly feel like, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to cover that? Yep. So then you want to manoeuvre as fast as possible to say, hey, Wyatt, you're not doing anything next week, are you? It'd be so funny if Wyatt was there. <laughs> what is your name, sir? Orion. And what? Oh, Orion. I like it. Thanks for being here. All right. Um, all right so what is your question? Well, kind of a follow-up to that one. Um, you go to like C-SPAN, or on The Daily Show, you see all these people, the politicians, and, and they say the most ridiculous things. Do you have people on The Daily Show that just follow C-SPAN and follow yeah. Fox News every single hour of the day trying yep. to follow. Yeah, and imagine what their eyes look like. <laughs> yeah, we do. We have a whole department who uh, sit just with stacked TiVos and record everything and go through it, and it is looking into the heart of darkness it, they, every day for They them. probably all look like they've just received the Dementor's kiss. It's, yeah. <laughs> Either that or it's like, it's like Rutger Hauer at the end of Blade Runner. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Uh, attack ships on fire off the shores of Orion. Yeah. Orion, bringing it back with a kind of nerdy reference. Your name is Elizabeth, I'm singing you a song. Rubbing your shoulders, let me see your thong. All right. Um, thank you, come on. Invasive. Yeah, really. And I'm touching you. Um... What is your question? I'm wondering about any interviews that have really gone uh, poorly where the people have reacted uh, violently or angrily to what you've been asking. I've never been hit yet. <laughs> so I'm sure... Keyword, yet. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, so no, it's never got that far, but the Swiss ambassador um, was the opposite of pleased. Well, he has so many things at his disposal. Yeah. Um, a knife, a magnifying glass. I got it, yeah, that was good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's um, no, uh, not yet. I haven't been, <laughs> haven't been hit, hit yet. Thank you. All right. What is your name, madam? Rachel. Hey, Rachel. Was your was your question? Can I actually ask you a question? Ooh. The answer is we'll be done in fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Mary Shag Cliff, David Tennant, Craig Ferguson, or John Oliver? Oh. What, as a, as a doctor? Or, or you, mean, no. you mean like... Who, it's who, F. Mary Kill. Oh, fuck Mary Kill. Yeah. Um, we can oh, say that. Think about this. Don't jump, don't jump to any quick conclusion here. 
Who was it? It was, it was Tennant and John. Who's the other one? And Ferguson. All right. Um, I'm going to die. <laughs> shit. Well, I mean, you, you do know two of them personally. I don't know if that might play into your murder-kill situation. Well, it's all obvious to us who he's going to fuck. It's going to be David Tennant. <laughs> Got to fuck David Tennant. Yeah. yeah. And you're going to be like, I'm the best companion, right? Yeah. That's what you're going to say the whole I'm time. fuck David Tennant right in his Scottish mouth. Yeah. And then you're, you looked into the vortex. Yeah. Looking at the heart of your, your TARDIS, yeah. Um, damn it. Okay, I would marry John Oliver. Aww. Yeah. Aww. Wait, is that just because he's here? Yes. Uh, no, because he's, you know, like, he, he's, he just feels like he's a good type to marry. I'm marryable. Yeah. I'm marryable. What I'm saying is, will you be my wife? Yeah. <gasps> you guys! Ferguson, uh, Ferguson would fuck you over and he'd <laughs> run around you right to kill him. <laughs> I will be by your side for the rest of your life. I feel like, uh, boy, you know, if I killed Ferguson, it wouldn't be because I want him dead. It's just because... You want the uh, 1230 slot on CBS? <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get it. That's how you get it. That is how you really get the role. Like, that's how I would get it's that job. It's contract. If Letterman goes, you know, yeah. unexpectedly, Ferguson gets if it. Ferguson gets it. So then I wouldn't have to kill him in that place. All right. And uh, w- when you get it, I'll be so proud of my husband. <laughs> <laughs> but he won't be there. He's going to be too busy fucking David Tennant, right? Yeah. You were not there for the high five, my friend. This is the universal sign for high five. Well, welcome to our country. Uh, what is your name, ma'am? Taylor, how are you? I'm just going to use you as a leaning beam. I hope you don't mind. Um, John, has there ever been a joke that you would not say to anybody? Oh, I really wish there was. Because <laughs> that would make me so much of a better person. <laughs> well, there is, because we kind of decide, you kind of, you always want to make sure you make those kind of decisions in the edit. Like whether you want to have done something or not but you need to have done it to be able to make that decision. So, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think we have time for a couple more questions. Uh, what is your name, sir? Hi. That would be so awesome if your name was Trip. Oh, my God. We would have such a laugh. Hi. I'm Eric. I'm, I'm a fan of the Bugle. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the Bugle. Thank you. Uh, I, I do a podcast called The Bugle with my friend Andy Zaltzman. Every I was Friday really hoping it was going to be like the instrument, The Bugle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a passion of mine, and it's the only thing I will leave, leave The Daily Show yeah, for, yeah. and that is a solo stadium bugle tour. Why stadium? Because you need a big stage and a big arena to it's appreciate no the sounds. How do you change the sound? Excellent question. <laughs> it's all to do with lip pressure. And oh. The sonorous qualities of the bugle you won't find in a trumpet or cornet. Or indeed French horn. This is so interesting. Did this answer your question, sir? <laughs> tell, tell, tell us about your podcast a little bit. I do, I do, but my friend Andy Zaltzman, who I worked with for years, we Get do... ready for the Nerdist bump. Go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gonna, uh, we do every Friday. We do a, a podcast called The Bugle. It's an audio newspaper for a visual world. That's the, uh, <laughs> Good tagline. Yeah. All right. What is your name? Oh, I just kicked over a thing. Was that a beverage? Oh, good. Hey, thanks for being drunk. All right. I fucking finished that shit. I wouldn't leave a fucking. What is your name, sir? Uh, I'm Mike. And uh, I was wondering uh, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? 
aside from maybe lessening the British accent. Let, is that a that? superpower? I really? didn't get that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, well, sure, I, I'm not sure I understood that, but I feel like we're all in sixth grade smoking pot for the first time. I'll go. If you could have any superpower, if you could have any superpower, and one of it was so that your accent was not nearly as thick as it is. Oh my God, what would it so be? Racist. Yeah. If is you that were, what he said? yes. That's if you were, as that far as I could hear, Texas. that's what he said. Texas, thank you. If you were any phase of a star, would you be a red dwarf? <laughs> I would be a green giant, Chris. <laughs> a jolly green. What is your, your uh, Aubrey? See, this was so great about having badges everywhere. Aubrey Hooser. Kind of amazing, isn't it? It really is. Can I ask everybody a question? All right. I feel really bad about your taco experience, Thank but you. I appreciate your mustache observances of Austin. Yes. Have you guys been to El, Ch El Cholito for your free mustache rides? No. What is a mustache ride? They have a giant mustache that you can ride, and a taco at the same time. Wait a second. I am so glad Where's the El Cholito Corporation has it, inserted that is, a... That is only one thing I love. A mole. I have I a am there. and I will take you for your mustache. <laughs> Isn't it usually the taco that's getting the mustache <laughs> I'm not even sure we can follow that with anything. I mean, that was... Gorgeous happening right there. All right, we have a couple more minutes. Uh, one more question, you, sir. Uh, what made all of you want to start being a comic? Sadness. <laughs> horrible, horrible sadness. It is, a, it is all the sadness in the universe condensed into singularity until it just sucks the joy of all the people around you like my a big black hole. My sense of humor was developed as a coping mechanism for my weight. <laughs> yeah, Good answer. Thank you. Good answer. Well, I'm guessing you didn't want the answers that you're getting. No. I think you realise now that maybe, maybe that question, the generic sound, it was fine. <laughs> you actually want to tap underneath the insecurity of comedians, you're going to get something a little different. <laughs> I, um, I wanted to be an athlete when I was growing up, and that was obviously quickly became clear that that was not going to be an option for Skinny John. Yeah, well, you, uh, you guys have Quidditch. I mean, you could be a keeper. I could have... <laughs> That's true. I like for the Harry Potter reference elicits shrieks. So you did you start doing comedy like from a teenager? Was it something when you got? I always loved comedy, but I did want to be a professional football player. That is what I badly wanted, and what my dad wanted. A striker. I struck, I, no, actually left midfield. Oh, but right. uh, yeah, I saw myself as a creator. Less glory up there, yeah. That's right, but you know, I guess I modeled myself as like an Andre Iniesta, who's oh. a fantastic Spanish. But ooh, good. It's I was not people. expecting that wow. to land. And how, um, do you, how, do you, how do you start doing comedy in, in, in London? Was it like a, you go to open mics, or how did, how did it yeah, work there? Yeah, there's a lot of, of stand-up clubs in London. And by clubs, I mean back rooms of pubs. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's, I think there's 80 in London alone. So yeah, I started Jeez. doing stand-up there and writing well but you, uh, can, you can make money doing stand-up in, in pubs that right is the key difference yeah is that you can make you can make a living doing stand-up in england which is much more difficult much much more difficult here uh, in america so stand-up in england can be its own reward mm -hmm. you don't have to do tv you don't have to decide to make your stand-up act something that you can sell in another form it can be its own thing which is why it, it's 
particularly inventive or can be particularly inventive. It's also total shit. Like <laughs> most stand-up, it can be great and completely unwatchable. Yeah. But it's why people like Simon Munnery, you referred to earlier, incredibly imaginative. I don't know if he could make a kind of career that he's made in England here because just economically, it's much more difficult. Further travel, paid less. It's a very difficult situation here. Emerging. That's why all the Americans, if you took anything from earlier, let's flock to England to no, take over the I'm comedy saying. boom. Yeah. Maybe Come. they haven't pointed out how crazy flying is yet over there. <laughs> It'll be brand it's new. Sure it's Chris. Come again, hot, hot heat. <laughs> Come for the wedding, stay for the stand-up. <laughs> well, uh, I know you have two shows to do tonight, uh, but John Oliver, thank you so much thank for coming you. here and being on the Nerds Podcast. Thank you so much to Esther Spallies, Charlie Sotelo, South by Southwest, Sean O'Keefe. Jonah Ray, Matt Myra, I'm Chris Hardwick. Good night, Austin. Thank you so much for being here. Enjoy your burrito, everybody. Good night. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishbowl podcast studio from the Cat in the Hat himself. And it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast. And those plans are the opposite of quiet. Sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Wondery Kids Plus on Apple Podcasts today.